It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, George? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day, everyone. Welcome to our first Euros daily live stream. How bloody exciting on the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. As you can see, I'm joined by professional sports better Neil Shah, and we will have George Gamble along very shortly. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Yeah, just uh, been a great day of football. Um, England win, and then the, the last game just now was brilliant. So, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone's enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's been a cracking start to the tournament. Uh, so today we'll be going through tomorrow's fixtures. So we've got Czech Republic, Scotland, we've got Poland, Slovakia, and Spain v Sweden. So if you guys have got any questions throughout the stream, as always, feel free to send those in. If you've got any comments, anything you want to get off your chest, um, go for it. Maybe you've got some thoughts on some of the games yourself, some some betting ideas. So feel feel free to uh, to launch anything you want at us. Um, yeah. So what's your what's your thoughts of today's games, mate? I mean, England sneaking home with a with a um, with a little one nil victory there. Nothing that's going to make them too confident, but at least it keeps the fans at ease for now. Um, and yeah, we just had a cracking game finish up there between the Netherlands and the Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, I'm, there's probably going to be a lot of. I mean, I've seen just a bit of negativity around England, you know, and we didn't play well, and why didn't so and so play, and this and that. But you know, we don't have a great record in opening games in um, in tournaments, and you know, the, this Croatia team is a team in decline, but. It, you know, you've still got a midfield with Modric, and with uh, with Brozovic there, Kovacic, Perisic. You know, these are these are Rebic. You know, that, those are good good players, um, and you know that that wasn't an easy game. So I, I think that we're happy to have the win. It makes it easier um, for, the, for the last few games. You know, we don't have to go into the Scotland game necessarily having to win that. Um, and and again, you know, it's a chance for Southgate to rotate a few players. A few players in there get you know get some more more legs. So um, I'm happy with that. You know we're not going to be sort of tiki taka vintage Spain or like Kevin Keegan uh, mid 90s Newcastle. You know I don't, I don't know what people are expecting really. You can't sort of shove Grealish, Sancho, like Rashford, Sterling, you know Foden, all like some kind of ridiculous front five. It's just not going to happen. So um, no, I'm, I'm happy enough. With, with, with the result I don't know what do you think George are you happy with the result today uh, yes and no obviously just first and foremost getting the win is is the be all and end all That's, that was the most important part of today um, I did kind of obviously when the team news came out I was, there were a few sort of question marks for me you know I know I understand Chilwell and, and Luke Shaw have obviously had to yeah. play a little bit longer um, in terms of the, the cup finals that they played in in Europe but I feel like having Trippier at left back, who's obviously naturally right footed, and it, I don't know, I feel like it hampered us slightly. I'd have also liked to have seen Grealish given a go because for me, the Croatia, like I previewed before, that I think they were very slow. Um, they're an Asian side, and someone like Grealish, who's just going to attack you, just drive at you. We saw with Phil Foden, like he had a, a bit of joy down that, that um, 
left hand and, and right hand side as well. And I think someone like Grealish would have really kind of opened them up. Um, you know, it's, it's early days. It's the first game of the tournament, so we'll still see these players. But it was interesting that you know people are saying, "Oh, well, Luke Shaw and Shaw, they're very tired and it's something." But we saw Marcus Rashford come on, and, and it's only recently that we have heard and said about Rashford. You know, you should speak to Michael Owen about burnout. So if he can get on, I don't understand why we don't start with a natural left-back um, in Luke Shaw. So that was the one question mark. I'd have rather have seen, even as a City fan, I'd have rather have seen Kyle Walker come off and put Trip on that right-hand side if it's for his set pieces. Um, it looked a little unbalanced to me uh, moving forward, but I think, or well, I hope, that Southgate would have kind of got a more firm understanding of, of his side after that showing. And like I said, first and foremost, we got the win. That was the main um, objective. And so, yeah, next up, Scotland. Well, that was probably the hardest game of the group for you guys, wouldn't it be? Or at least very close to it. So maybe he can experiment with a few things going forward. There's so many games in limited days too. So there's an opportunity to rest players and, and kind of give everyone a go ahead of the, I guess, where the tournament starts. And it will start very heavily when you guys reach the round of 16, if you you assume you guys will make the round of 16, because I think you're playing the second second in group of death. Yes, if we win the group, we'll play the, the second one. So it could be any one of France, Germany, Portugal. Yeah, sorry. So I'd say get through the group, but then obviously naturally the toughest games are yet to come. But I think if we can get through, if we win the group and get through the next game, the next round, then then you start sort of, you start to believe. But as an England fan, we know uh, that can be a, can be disastrous. <laughs> it's, as, as Arsenal fans, I'm sure they know, it's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills you, mate. Well said. All right, well... Um... We'll get on to the first game tomorrow, fellas, and it's the other game in Group D. So we've got Scotland versus Czech Republic. So we'll get your insight on those ones. And like I said before, guys, please feel free feel free to send any questions through, any any comments throughout the stream. We're always happy to answer any queries you guys have. But just a uh, just a quick disclaimer on the video for everyone. Uh, and for any videos on this channel, really, I or no one else on this YouTube channel is a financial advisor. This is just educational content aimed at improving your knowledge about sports betting. There is a risk of losing money. I can certainly tell you that through betting. And what choices you make with your money is completely up to you. So so be responsible and uh, and enjoy the Euros. All right. First game, Scotland versus Czech Republic. We can go through today. I don't know if you know, Neil, but we can't really see your beautiful face, mate. Yeah, I've broken the camera. My husband <laughs> finally broken it. So, yeah. What to get we talking back. about looking at your camera, honestly? <laughs> don't look directly at it, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> very important game here. It could decide which of these two teams qualifies from the group because obviously you can have qualification from from third place and and one of these two teams could knock off Croatia too. So Scotland with the home advantage here, plenty of Premier League stars in their side, McGinn, Tierney, McTominay, Robertson, Czech Republic the same where they got the old West Ham duo there of Kufal and Suchek. Um, and interestingly enough, I thought this was quite interesting about the old Czechs. They, they have the second best XG ratio in the group is quite impressive, 63%. So for those who love their XG out there, um, go to you first, Neil, mate. What are your initial thoughts on this one? Uh, I don't think it's going to be a great game to watch. Um, it's going to well, be... You great know, start, mate. 
And I just lost all the viewers. (laughs) Don't ever go into marketing, will you, Neil? My word. (laughs) Hey, listen, we're we're talking about betting on it. We're not saying it's going to be like um, boring games are usually the most profitable ones for me. But um, yeah, I I think um, uh, good to get George's thoughts on this as well. But something that that struck me was was the cards angle. Um, I can't the name of the ref escapes me now, but I was reading. You know, he's relatively inexperienced. Um, you know, compared to the other refs in this tournament, and I don't know if anyone. You know, obviously, if, if any of you guys are aware of sort of some of the incidents that happened with the Rangers game, um, you know, with some of these Czech Republic players who mm. played for, for Slavia earlier in the season in the Europa League. Um, I just have a feeling that the, the, this could be a bit of a tasty game with the context of, um, again, you know, it, it's a kind of, I don't like to say must-win game, but it is a big game, you know. like This is a, a game where either side, you know, three points is going to make a big difference. And both teams, you know, they, they, they've got a realistic chance of, of winning this. So I do think that that's an interesting angle there. I think the card line is um, uh, three and a half. I put it up on my my Twitter. I can't remember exactly what the odds were, but I, I did uh, did like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it, again, a lot of these games have been quite cagey. Um, you know, there might be a kind of tight start in there. Um, I, I I've, I've optimistic for Scotland. I think they've got you know a bit of danger there. I think um, especially with McGinn and Che Adams, um, they, they've got a bit of a threat, and they're very hard to beat. Um, but then, you know, again, so are the Czechs. I mean, that stat you're saying, that's quite interesting about the XG as well. I wasn't, wasn't kind of aware of mm. that. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the match odds, I'm kind of leaving that well alone. But um, for me, the, the the cards angle is something to look at. And then so in play, kind of seeing how how things will go. Um, but but I, I, it's, 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 I think for me, it's a tough one to call. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the odds kind of see, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to, I forgot to mention the odds on this one before. So you can get about two point, uh, you can get as high as 2.9 for Scotland at Mansion, but I don't know what they're doing, but most people are around 2.7. Draws at around threes, 3.05, and Czech Republic, uh, three, 3.1. And it, and it seems like, I mean, if, if odds checker is what you want to go by, it seems like a lot of well, the money's coming in for Scotland. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure why. The money's coming in for Scotland all of a sudden. Would you have any idea why that would be, George? Loads of drunken Scots just, you know. <laughs> yeah, what's the time over there? <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. That's all we're playing tomorrow. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, for me, I, I can see why money's coming in for, for, for Scotland. This guy's been played at Hampden Park, which is their, their ancestral home. It's their first appearance, uh, obviously, a major tournament for quite some time. It's massive for them. Um, and the passion of the Scots. I mean, I, I did. Pre- I previewed this game um, elsewhere, and I said that the Tartan Army facing off uh, against Czech Republic. But I think I was worried people were going to think they were tuning into a cloth review show. But, but no. So kind of, I was looking at Scotland. I mean, I'm. Not, I understand Neil's perspective on the cards, and I, I think it's a good angle. I, I'm just not a fan of cards at international tournaments. I don't know what it is. Like, I just don't like it. It's it's very different to, to kind of club football, um, and it's very inconsistent. So it's hard to kind of get a proper sort of grip of it and a sort of a good understanding of it. But no, this is, it's a massive game for both teams, but particularly Scotland, um, you know, England and Croatia, obviously the worthy favourites uh, to occupy those two positions within the group. But 
think his third place could still be enough to advance to that round of 16, which would just be incredible uh, for Scotland. And it's something that Scotland have failed to do in their previous two European Championship appearances. So, you know, the fact that that's on offer offers even more incentive. Um, you know, if if Steve Clarkside can pick up three points at Hampden Park on Monday, it, it just it would put them in such a good position going into that game with England. It would just put even more importance on it. And it's already a big game. It's a, an international derby, if you like. So if Scotland get the win, it's just it's going to be even better, in my opinion. And it's going to be a fascinating watch. But yeah, Scotland have scored the opening goal before the 30th minute in their last three games in which they've won two and drawn one of them. Um, so they're going to want to start well on that home soil. And the last four head-to-heads between these two saw Scotland scoring before half-time. And if they can do that again, it'll, it'll really obviously put them in a good position going forward. But yeah, they also ended um, their kind of preparation games on a high note. They managed a, a very, very impressive two-all draw away at Netherlands. I know Holland aren't the team of old, but still for someone like Scotland to, to go away to Netherlands and hold their own and, and claim a draw... Yeah, right. There was no competitive nature to it, but it was still a very, very good result for them. And they also beat Luxembourg as well. And, but they've managed to score in their last nine games straight. And the I'll go through the team news in a second, but I just think this Scotland side has, they're very underrated. I think they've got a lot of quality players in there. They've got a very good spine to their team. And, and I do think they're being underrated. So I can understand why perhaps some money has been coming in for them. Um, in those nine games I mentioned where they scored, um, Scotland only conceded in four of them. Um, the sides who didn't score admittedly were Malta, Slovenia, Lithuania, Slovakia and the Faroe Islands. So, you know, no sides to kind of write home about of how great they are. But, you know, they've also possessed a ridiculous record um, at Hampden Park in terms of uh, being unbeaten. So they're unbeaten in 76% of their games played at Hampden Park where they've won 135, drawn 63 and lost 60, you know, they're very, very good on home soil. And I just kind of think with the importance on this game, what it could mean going into the next game, the fact that their fans are going to be behind them, it's at Hampden Park, they're in a big tournament. It's For me, I think Scotland are very underrated and I think they could do a job. Looking at the team news, you've got Shea Adams, obviously, as uh, Neil previously mentioned, you've got Lyndon Dykes. Um, they operated as the front two against Luxembourg last time out. So that could be the case again in this one um, with Kieran Tierney. Andrew Robertson, Scott McTominay and John McGinn, they're, they're pretty much certain to be named in some form or another, depending on position in that starting eleven, because they're undoubtedly their best players. But uh, Billy Gilmore from Chelsea, you know, he's could be an option um, in that middle. But I feel like Callum McGregor will probably join McTominay and, and McGinn in that midfield. Um, looking on at the Czech Republic, you know, again, similar to Scotland, they're going to also have their eyes on a, a position in the knockout round of the competition. So they're going to view this one as probably their biggest game that they can get a result in. Like I said, with that third place, um, a possibility being enough to qualify for the next round. But the problem is it's really difficult to know what to expect um, from Czech Republic. You know, they can be, they're very inconsistent. You know, one minute they can be great, as we saw. Um, they got a draw against Belgium um, in a World Cup qualifier back in March. So that's an indication of their credentials. But then they can have really poor results against absolute minnows. It's, it's kind of difficult to, to predict how they're going to do. And they famously finished as runner-ups uh, to Germany at Euro 96. So they do have pedigree in this competition. Um, and they also made the semi-finals in 2004. So they're a side that are more than capable, kind of, if they can get through to that knockout stage, they know how to negotiate it. They know how to deal with it. Um, so, yeah, huge game for for both both, time, both teams. Um, also, interestingly, a stat that I love, Czech Republic have played out just one draw in the last four years. Like that's mm. that's incredible to me. There's always a winner in their game. So I, and I think a winner appears likely here. So the first goal could be critical. Um, 
especially as the side in four, so 12 of the last 14 Czech Republic games, the team that scored first has gone on to be undefeated. And with that in mind, the fact that it's in Scotland at Hampden Park, Scotland tend to score the first goal and with that in mind and the importance of this game, I'm leaning towards Scotland um, in this one. So obviously you've already mentioned Kufau and, and Suchet, their certainties in this midfield. Um, and Thomas Callas, who plays for Bristol City in the Championship, he'll probably occupy the, the middle and in the heart of the defence as well. But you've got Derrida. Um, he's the captain. He's the oldest player um, in the squad, most experienced. So he's going to be starting there as well. And you've got Patrick Schick up top for Leverkusen, who's uh, scored 11 times at international level. So uh, he'll probably get the nod over Matej Vidra, who plays for Burnley to, in that centre-forward position. But yeah, like I said, Scotland's excellent record um, at Hampden Park. And they do have some real quality in their side now. And it's an excellent opportunity for both teams. It's just, I do think it'll be a cagey affair, but I just think Scotland have that edge. Everything's kind of pointing towards them. And I think they'll make it a very tough atmosphere for, for Czech Republic. And the fact that the Czechs rarely, rarely draw any games, I'd be leaning towards Scotland here. So, I mean, the pick that I've kind of looked at is Scotland draw no bet. Um, and I believe that was a minus. I've, I've had to do American odds here, so I'll have to do a, a quick conversion for you. Bear with me one second. But uh, I saw it at minus 107. So if I can just quickly have a look here. 193 um, yeah, maybe? 1.93 that's it so and I think that's great value because I don't see Scotland losing this game so for me you know obviously if they draw get your state back but I do quite like Scotland to go on and win it but with the draw no bet I think that's a great shout all right great stuff man and this is great we've got a uh, we've got a check on the live stream too which is awesome he's he's talking all about how good Czech Republic are going not really he's mostly just downgrading them uh he's obviously yeah great midfield there with um Suchek and and Kufal, but yeah, the defense might be a bit shaky there for the Czechs. Um, yeah, last friendly matches, 4 0 against Italy or 4 0 loss to Italy, uh, beat Albania 3 1. And um, but yeah, had two good performances there against England mm. and Belgium. So, like you said, George can be quite inconsistent. I want to go back to it before I bring Neil back in what you said about the cards. Can you just give us a bit more insight into exactly like why it might be so inconsistent with the cards? Like is it the is it the referees? Like because it could be a bit of a lottery as to what referee you get or is it just the you know the the different players that might be playing and tactics yeah. that you're not sure about? Yeah, it's a mixture of things. It's just the constant change in variables within it for me. Um, there's some games you can look at and think, yeah, there's, there's going to be cards in that one. But more often than not, I just kind of look at it and constantly got... In international tournaments, I like looking for players who I think have got a foul in them. So that there are a few, but I just think international tournaments, they're a lot more cagey because no one wants to give anything away. Whereas, you know, club football, I just find that the passion's a bit... The passion is there a bit more, in my opinion. Mm. And, you know, I, I could be wrong. This could be one of the most mental tournaments where the most cards are shown in this tournament but for me I just find it so inconsistent I really do and for example that Belgium-Russia game last night with the way that Belgium was set up I felt sure like looking at it yeah Russia are going to commit quite a few fouls it wouldn't surprise me to see a couple of them get booked and there wasn't a single card in the game and then I believe I can't remember which other game it was I looked at it and I was like probably quite a low card count and there was a high number you know so I do try and predict them and I've got I get more right than I get wrong but it's just so, so inconsistent. And for me, I'd rather kind of wait to the cards in, in terms of the actual season. And, and picks like, for example, this, the Scotland draw no bet, I find that looking at that motivation and the motivations into each side is more profitable for me for throughout international tournaments. And that's the key when you're, you're betting. If you're trying to make it be a success within betting, 
So like, I, I track my records over the years and I tend to do better on these kind of bets in international tournaments than I do cards. And if you want to be successful, you've got to double down on what works for you and obviously try and negate what doesn't. So for me, I, I tend to avoid cards in international tournaments and then get back on the cards once the season start again. Yeah, very interesting stuff. And and on the back of that, Neil, you have a you have a card bet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's actually it's, it's, a, it's a really good point that uh, George is making. So, um, you know, I think sort of throughout the tournaments of the season in general, you'll find uh, a, a style, a strategy that kind of works for you. That um, I, I guess sort of your let's say your way of researching or analysing something will pick out things that maybe others won't um and vice versa so you know I, I know again traders who do quite well um trading unders on games you know they have a sort of real knack for for, for trading unders on the goals lines and people who do the opposite um and yeah actually interesting you know to, to, to george it, the, the cards aren't something i tend to get involved with hugely during the season um but this tournament is, is sort of throwing up a few opportunities i think like like, uh, like george mentioned so um you know there's been a few games where you think that surely these like cards are coming but um but it hasn't even like the opening game i had kind of um quite uh, quite a hefty bet on um unders just from previous history um there you know there haven't been that many cards in an opening fixture in any world cup or euros for you know since like euro 96 um, but the public perception is, you know, that, that there will be, it's going to be a sort of um, a tight affair and, you know, there'll be lots of challenges flying in. But, you know, generally the, the referee in that game won't want to cause any controversy. You know, they'll want it, they'll, in their own interest, they'll want to have avoid that so that they can get a chance of refereeing further down into the tournament. So, um I think it's kind of case by case basis. So again, so we, we, with the Scotland game, that was what was what was interesting. So um, yeah, so I'm going for over three and a half uh, cards. Um, forgive me, I can't remember the exact. Part. I think it was one point seven two. I think I wrote it in oh, there. Wrote, I'm one point eight three in here, mate. One point eight three. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So what one point eight three? Um, I, I do like the price, and that just based on the context of a little bit of history between some of these players. And the referee sort of being relatively inexperienced, plus the Hamden crowd, you know, is, is going to be pretty fierce as well. So um, I think it's got, and and again, I, because it's going to be the odds suggest it's going to be a close game. Um, that's you know where I'm looking. There's another one actually which kind of combines. It's it's a double. It's kind of more of a long shot. Um, but this is on on McGinn to be carded and to score as well um so just a few stats for you so he's scored 10 in his last 18 internationals and uh in terms of bookings um if you average it out per let's say per 90 minutes um he's picked up nine in his last 27 games um so i, I quite like that that's i think that's about 15 and a half 15.4 i think on 365 um last time i checked um, so that was a bit of a long shot one on, on there as well. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I mean, definitely sort of what, what George said, I think it's a really good point for anyone listening, anyone trying to kind of sharpen their selection criteria, you know, again, so if something works for you, it's, it's about marginal gains. I'm, I'm, I'm also, you know, a big believer in this kind of 80, 20 principle. So I'll kind of dabble around in lots of different things, but if you have something that works well for you, you know, you're sometimes better off spending more time on making a one or two percent improvement on that rather than trying to you know 
try lots of different things and maybe those are not quite working out for you. Couldn't agree more, mate. And I, I like the angle here. I know, I know George has said maybe stay away from cards in internationals, but I like the added, um, I guess, <clears throat> idea of the, the, the rivalry between Checkland, Checkland, Jesus Christ. Checkland. <laughs> <laughs> between these two sides uh, with the whole, you know, Rangers, uh, Slavia, Prague, and I think that's another spicy <laughs> thing to add in there. And also... There, the fact that it's a really close game, and this game will will go so far in deciding if one of these two teams can can go through. So, yeah, it could I mean, be just quite to a clarify though. Just to clarify, I said I am not doing cards because it doesn't work for me. If it works for yeah. you, absolutely play the cards. Don't just avoid it in general. If it works for you, and you think you found kind of a, an edge or a certain way, like Neil, obviously with this, I think it's a great angle. Um, I just know that over the long term, international tournaments, I don't do so well on the cards, but I do well in the other markets. So therefore I'll put my focus onto that. But if cars work for you, absolutely get on them. Yeah. All right. Awesome. That was a really good preview, I think, gents, of the of the first game of the of tomorrow. Uh second game, we're moving on to group E, the first ever game in Group E this tournament. And we have Poland versus Czech Republic. Oh, oh mate, I'm having a shocker today. Uh, You're okay, Poland, mate. You're okay. Poland versus <laughs> Slovakia. <laughs> Uh, so this game will be played in Russia, so neutral venue, I guess, um, between two sides who are who are not really favoured to make it out of this group, or at least not favoured to take the top two spots. Poland's coach Paolo Sousa only took over in January, so there is a lot unknown about Poland at the moment, but they do have obviously an incredible forward line there in Lewandowski, Milik, uh, and Zielinski. Uh, but a frail back line means that they could ship a lot of goals. Slovakia, on the other hand, not much better if you're into your underlying data. They are they are actually one of the worst ranking teams in the tournament when it comes to the underlying data, lacking a lot of invention in the final third. Uh, odds for this one, you've got Poland at best odds about 1.8, 1.81. Draw 3.5-ish you can get there at Skybet and a couple others. And Slovakia, as high as, you know, 6 or a little bit lower than that. So um, if you're taking the odds here, you're thinking it could be quite a one-sided affair here, George. But what do you... Is there any angles you have here for this one? Um, Yes, but price kind of dictates it. I mean, for, for me, this game is simply... Robert Lewandowski against Milan Skriniar. Um, I think that's how this one kind of works out, if I'm honest. So, I mean, looking at Poland, both of these sides are in a dreadful run of form. Um, Poland in particular, they're in a grim, grim run of form uh, coming into this tournament. But um, yeah, this, as you said, this game is in St. Petersburg, neutral territory. But yeah, Poland's only win this year has come against Andorra. And Andorra, just, with all due respect to them, they're shocking. So the pressure is on Paolo Sousa, I'd say, to you know, kind of start with a win in this one here, in this tournament. But yeah, the current team is built around Lewandowski. He's a reigning world player of the year. He's just insane. And a lot of people actually expect Poland to emerge behind Spain uh, in a quite a tight-looking group. Um, but yeah, this one could also, similar to Scotland, Czech Republic, it could also prove uh, decisive as following this, Poland go up against um, an experienced and organised Sweden side. And then they play uh, against a new look Spanish side. So, you know, the games kind of just get progressively tougher for them here on. So I think it's important they get off to a to a win here. Um, but they've been held to draws by both Russia and Iceland in warm-up friendlies. 
Um, and that extends their winless streak against top tier nations to the best part of seven months. You know, they're, they're not doing well. So, you know, 38 million people, 38 million football fanatics in Poland are going to be relying on one player. Uh, that's the Bundesliga's obviously most deadly striker in Lewandowski to, to help them on into round of 16 and putting all of your hopes on one player. In, in, season, in times gone by, years gone by, Poland have had some fairly exceptional players to kind of compliment Lewandowski and kind of help him out. But their squad's largely average now, in my opinion, and, and that everything's on Lewandowski and if he can get that service. Um, but yeah, despite those poor results, though, to be fair to them, in, in this calendar year, they've still managed to score in all of their previous five games. And, but the problem is they've conceded in four of those and, and conceded two or more in three of them. So the problem isn't necessarily going forward. It's, it's at the back. Um, both teams have scored in five of Poland's last six internationals. But for me, I think falling behind here for, for Poland could it could be disastrous if Slovakia somehow managed to score. Because um, Poland have never scored more than one goal in their 11 games at the European Championships. They struggle for goals despite having probably the deadliest striker on the planet. They do struggle to score more than one goal. And yeah, none of Poland's previous 11 European Championship games have seen the game witness three or more goals. They're always very, very low scoring. So I definitely think the unders would be the ones uh, to play here. And very briefly, looking into Slovakia, to be fair to them, they've progressed to the round of 16 stage in both their previous major tournament appearances, both the 2010 World Cup and Euro 2016. And, but in both, um, they failed to win their opening games, drawing one and, and losing one. So a slow start might not be the end of the world for them here. They you know, they might somehow still manage to, to scrape through, but I highly doubt it. I think they're very average, but nevertheless, for them, they're used to being in this position. Um, and similar to Czech Republic, they're so inconsistent. Since the, the qualifiers ended about, what, a year ago? Um, their form's been very, very underwhelming. You know, they've won only two of their last 13 matches. Um, and that's within 90 minutes. And they've also dropped four points against Cyprus and Malta at the start of the World Cup qualifying campaign in, in March. And although they did spring a surprise by turning over Russia, um, but they, even in that game, their backs were to the wall. It was kind of slightly undeserved. So they're somewhat, if they're going to win, it's going to be a smash and grab, if you like. They're not going to outplay Poland by any stretch. And, and like I said, they've got Milan Skriniar at centre half, and it's going to be his task to, to stop Lewandowski's. He is a brick wall. Um, for Inter Milan, he kept 15 clean sheets for them this season as they stormed to the Scudetto. And looking at kind of picks, I, I liked Poland under 1.5 team goals. But when I saw it, it was 1.65. And, and to me, just judging by the fact that, yes, you've got Skriniar, but the rest of the, the Slovakia team is slightly average. It just didn't represent value to me. Um, so I, this one was a no bet for me. If I was forced to choose a side to win, I'd go with Poland just because I, th I think they've got, even though it's not much, they've got a little bit more quality to them. You know, and Slovakia have won once in their last five. And so with Poland having that habit of scoring, I, I do fancy them to kind of maybe get a very, very tight 1-0 win over, over Slovakia. I see it being very low scoring. But yeah, for me, there was no value in this. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if it landed. I'm just not happy to get on Poland under 1.5 team goals at 1.65. If it was around the 1.75 mark, I'd, I'd probably have a go. But yeah, so for me, this one's a, a no bet. Yeah, I was just looking at the correct score market. I mean, you mentioned a 1-0 win to Poland, and that's sixes. So even for a correct score, that's quite low, isn't it? Um, yeah. Neil, your thoughts on this one, mate? Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of uh, what Georgia said. Um, I mean, I, I, I personally, I, I think Poland will edge it. I think um, a lot of these records kind of, um, you know, they, they, in some ways they're kind of there to be broken. And um, 
I think with, with Sosa, again, he's, he's kind of early to the post. He hasn't had that much time. But I think what is in his favour is having this time now. So he's had those Nations League games. Um, he's had a bit more time with the squad to kind of prepare, to implement his his tactical plan. Um, you know, I think other than Milic, I think, you know, the rest of the squad is in, in, in relatively good shape. Um, and I, I think they'll just have a little bit too much for Slovakia. So what, one of the stats on Slovakia, you know, they, they had the worst XG of any team that's qualified, but they also conceded the most shots, I believe, as well. So, um, you know, you, you you do get chances from them. And, and you know, obviously that's an advantage. If you have someone of the calibre of Lewandowski, you know, you could, you know, still win this with just one or two half chances, you know, if, if you can if you can just get the ball to him. Um, so I think that's that's where, where I'm going with this. I mean, I saw, um, you know, to me, I think it's a big price. Um, Poland to win to nil. Uh, 2.66 uh, sporting index. I would personally take anything over 2.5 because um, I, I, I think I think they'll have enough on the day to to get the job done. Um, but you know, if you wanted to kind of save your play, I think just a Poland clean sheet might be the way to do it. Um, again, or some kind of combination you know, of, of unders under 2.5 and you know whatever you like there really um yeah it, it, it's probably not going to be a, a high scoring game it's probably going to be a slow start you might even want to look at um i mean i've been mean, so far i think five out of the seven games have been nil nil at half time um mm. we've been a bit fortunate with a few of those uh, but at the same time you know there have been slow starting games um Again, uh, I'm trying to think what time is the kickoff on this one. Uh, I could tell it's you five o'clock UK time. Five o'clock yeah. UK time. Okay. So again, uh, what's also happening again? The the afternoon, um, sort of the early afternoon, late afternoon games. Generally, depending on the weather, again, that's kind of led to slower conditions. You you can kind of see again, you know, tonight again, you know, the, the games that have generally been more open again have been cooler conditions. So, so that has a part to play as well. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's not going to be the game of the tournament. I don't think so. Uh, it's probably, who knows? It might end up four all, but it's unlikely. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I'd want to have Poland on side in some form or another. But you know, again, if you wanted to play it safer, then you know, you know. Um, draw no bet um or under some kind of combination yeah all right cool yeah i mean i've got up some of the correct score markets too for people who are interested in maybe going with a low goals approach like you guys have mentioned poland one nil around sixes you could go nil nil at around eight at a few places um and you can normally get some pretty decent liquidity on the correct scores on the exchanges and some better odds closer to game time so um yeah that could be some potential angles for people there who aren't too confident about what might happen maybe take a take a some bigger odds but uh don't listen to me i'm not the expert why don't we uh why don't we move on to the to the bigger game in um in group e and that would be spain versus sweden cracking game here uh so this will be in Sevilla. So we're going from from Russia and the opening game to the steaming hot Sevilla. The two favourites from Group E go head-to-head. Spain will enjoy having these games at home, you would assume, uh, against, you know, three sides who are 
not really used to these kinds of addition uh, conditions. Sorry, in in Sweden, Slovakia, and Poland. On the other hand, Sweden will not have Zlatan for the for their Euros campaign, but it seems like a lot of people are are quite keen on the Swedes to uh, to qualify from Group E, or maybe just a sneaky bet on them to to top Group E. Um, for those who don't know too much about Sweden, I don't know what you guys think, but they're quite a functional side, not very not very flashy, very happy to to sit back and and hit on the break. So you would expect Spain to dominate possession in this one. Neil, mate, I'll let you go first this time before I'll get up the odds, actually, to give everyone a little bit of context. Uh, Spain, very, very short here at 1.38, 1.4. Draw, you can get about fives in a lot of places. And Sweden, who I can see here, actually on a five-game winning streak, quite impressive. They are as high as 10 or 11 there. So interesting betting market here, Neil. Which way are you leaning towards, mate? Uh, I mean, this is something I'm going to keep a close eye on because, um, you know, if anyone's not aware, uh, Spain have had, you know, a few cases of COVID uh, with um, Busquets, who, you know, would have been their acting captain. He's out, Lorente as well. Um, and the, the, the knock-on effect of that has is not just that those two have had COVID and, and you know, they've had to be tested, but they've had to isolate the team. Um, so their training sessions have been disrupted. So Luis Enrique hasn't been able to let's say, get the whole squad together in the way that other teams have. And, you know, I think that's quite, quite a disadvantage. Um, also, with, I mean, Sweden as well, you have Kulisevsky and uh, Svanberg out as well. Um, so, you know, that, that that's a blow, especially um, Kulisevsky. Um, I, I think it, I think Spain are a little bit short. I mean, I, I do think they are going to go on and win this, and um, you know they, they'll have too much for Sweden. I think the conditions in, in Seville um, is going to be a struggle for, for Sweden, especially in the second half. But I think Sweden can sort of make it difficult, at least you know in the first half. Um, you know they play with this kind of low block, as you say, they are functional. I mean, to be honest, since I was a kid, I've just remembered Sweden are just this solid team. With this kind of four-four-two, this kind of you know this brick wall that you know you struggle to get, and that's why England historically has sort of struggled against them because of the kind of game they play. Um, but again, you know, the, the, I think the Spanish team still has has too much quality for them. What the the reason? What I'm kind of angling towards. I, I'm not really looking right now, but you know, on the day again, I'll, I'll look closer. But if you were interested in the bet for this, I would lean towards maybe um, you know draw. Full time, so draw half time. Uh, Spain win full time. Um, I think Spain, in terms of goals scored, they it's kind of a 60 40 split. So it's I think around 58% of their goals are scored in the second half, um, which makes sense the kind of way that they play. Um, again, you know, teams will generally try and um, sit deep, kind of frustrate them, and eventually they just get tired. Uh, or they make a mistake and, and Spain will exploit it. So, so that's one way you could kind of look at it. Um, again, don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but uh, personally, I'd still be wary of that line. Just you know, if Spain do click, if they do fire, and 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 uh, you know, Sweden are struggling, or you know, let's who knows, they get they're a couple of players on a yellow card. Um, you know, Spain have got the quality to kind of rip through them. We've seen that. You know, with Sweden aren't going to play as um, kamikaze as, as Germany did in that Nations League game. But again, you know, if, if the team could put six past Germany. Um, 
on any given day, you know, that's what they're potentially capable of. So I, I would kind of err uh, towards that. I think, you know, looking at kind of second half play, seeing how the game develops first half, um, you know, how Sweden are kind of setting up. Um, I think they're capable of getting a goal. Um, you know, they've got handy players in there. They've got Isaac and Berg up front. Um, you know, they've got Forsberg kind of, you know, pulling strings in midfield. But, you know, they're, they're capable of getting a, a goal. I mean, looking at Spain, um, you know, their recent results, they do concede goals, um, you know, and against sort of some kind of mediocre opposition. I'll just like, you know, as a reminder, just bring it up here. But, um, you know, again, against Kosovo, you know, so they won 3-1 against Kosovo in March. Um, two-one against Georgia, uh, a one-all draw with Greece. You know, you you would say Sweden are, are a better quality side than any of those. And um, again, you know, the match stats: Greece had one shot on goal, one goal. Um, Georgia again absolutely dominated, um, but you know, again, two shots on goal, um, again, and a goal. And then Kosovo, I think, pretty sure they had one shot on goal, and. Uh, a goal as well so it's possible you know if, if you were kind of feeling quite lucky you, you could go for this both teams to score angle I'm not really going to touch that I think I think the thing that I'll be on is probably uh, draw half time uh, Spain full time or some kind of trading angle in between yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it does seem like they're quite big odds for Sweden they, I mean they, they strike me as a very Solid, you know, you're going to get kind of side. They've, I mean, they're on a five game winning streak at the same time, there too. They know exactly who they are, how they want to play. And then you, you're playing against a, a Spain side. Or, I mean, I understand that the, the weather conditions will certainly give them an edge, but there's a lot of uncertainty yeah, around yeah, them. Just, just to go back to this, this five game winning streak, it's they played Armenia, Finland, Estonia, Kosovo, yeah. and Georgia. So I mean, they're, they're, they're good sides. <laughs> like this is this is what I was, I was I was going to interject and just say yes, they're on a five game winning streak, but look who they've played. That they've not played anyone with any real quality. Yeah, I think I was just saying that at least you know what you're going to get with these guys. They're very solid. They know exactly how they're going to play coming into this game. And then Spain, on the other hand, there's a lot of uncertainty with you know all the COVID stuff that's going on. Haven't really been able to prepare much. Um, and they're going to have to dictate terms in this one well, most likely. They're going to have all the possession. You say you say that, but with with COVID, yes, obviously you've got Busquets who's, who's out with COVID. But Diego Lorente has since tested negative and is back in training. You know, so he's um, come back straight into it. The whole squad's been vaccinated allegedly as well. And uh, Enrique said, "Yeah, we're all that's all sorted. We're, we're raring to go." So it depends what kind of camp you fall into, really. I think George, yeah. So, the, the, yeah. So, what what um, I was saying was, um, yeah, I agree with that. In terms of just the players having COVID, I don't think that's an issue. Mm -hmm. They have the quality in the squad. It's about the preparation for me. That's that yeah, was yeah. the yeah, yeah. mark in terms of, um, you know, he hasn't. I think I was reading somewhere again. He's had to have his defenders training separately. Um, you know, the the forwards working on their movements in in, in a separate. Uh, small-sided game. So he hasn't been able to just have this whole squad cohesively together um, to work on, on what he wants. And he is a bit of a control freak. Um, he is, yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that's what intrigues me. I mean, uh, it could be just a kind of marginal thing. But for yeah. me, that makes me think maybe the first half, you know, they might not be as kind of free-flowing. There might be a few passes going astray. People aren't as familiar with what, you know, what their instructions should be on the pitch. 
Um, that that's sort of where I'm looking at it. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll get your thoughts. I just want to interject quickly. I think it's just all the. Oh. If I had to summarize what I'm saying, it's all like the the soft factors. I guess I feel like are leading in in Sweden's favor here, like the emotionals, like the I don't know the 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 side of the 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 little bits. You know, the soft factors. I guess is the best way of putting it. Like. I just feel like they're all kind of leading in Sweden's favour here and and at 10 and odds or 11 and odds, whatever it was, um, it might be worth a little pop because it's not like it's a Spain side that have that are in unbelievable form. They've got all their players fit, um, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think historically too, they're not that great at first games in tournaments too. So no, there's no, another baby. thing for you too. So, I mean, I'm talking myself into a little pop at Sweden, mate. George, you've got to talk <laughs> yourself out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not with you on that one at all. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of baffled, if I'm honest. Like over in Sweden, obviously that over in Sweden that they're, they're raving about uh, Jan Andersson, obviously their their manager, you know, and they're kind of hyping themselves up. And it's easy if you just look at stats objectively and like, oh, well, he's got a win rate of fifty point nine one percent, and he's doing well at the moment. But as you've already alluded to, they've not played anyone decent. They they just haven't. Don't get me wrong; they're a good side. They're a good solid unit. And they know what they've got to do. I completely agree with you on that. Um, but I mean, even history is kind of against them. Someone was, you know, they've exited at the group stage in four of five uh, Euro appearances since their semi-final um, in Euro '92 and the '94 World Cup. You know, they, they don't do so well, and they lost two one to Spain um, in their only prior Euro finals meeting back in 2008. And weirdly, it's the same scoreline by which Sweden have lost both prior Euro games against host nations. Um, with that one, so I thought that's quite interesting. But anything for me, anything for this game would just be a bonus for, for their side. This isn't this isn't the game for them that's going to decide whether they whether they progress or not. Um, you know, as they play Slovakia and Poland, who I think they'll feel they can get good results against. So I think all of these teams are resigned to the fact that I think you know they think Spain will top the group. Um, but yes, yeah, Neil's already mentioned um, Isaac. He's the main main danger in the Sweden side. You know, he's 22 years old. He's scored 19 goals for club and country this season, applying his trade for Real Sociedad. In, uh, in La Liga um, but looking a bit further kind of into Spain it's interesting obviously we mentioned about the weather for me I think this is going to have a huge impact mm. I think obviously Isaac's going to be a bit more used to it but what's been underestimated is Seville is one of the hottest places on the planet at this time of year even it's kicking off at 8pm UK time and even then it's going to be around 30 degrees Celsius in that ground and here we go mate uh, weather man's chiming in here yeah, because obviously on my app, this is around, around 30 degrees or fluctuating between that. And still, even 25 degrees is, is ridiculously hot in, say, comparison to somewhere like Sweden. And and I just think the fact that the way that Spain play, you know, they obviously they're not the Spain of old with the, the likes of uh, Xavi and Iniesta, but, you know, they still like to play that fluid football. They still like to drag teams around, exploit, you know, positional uh, mistakes. And I agree with Neil in that I think it'll be tight first half. I do agree with that. I think that's a really good angle because I think the second half, I think you're going to see Sweden capitulate slightly and Spain get off to a bit of a flyer, similar to how Italy did against Turkey. That's kind of how I'm envisaging this yeah. one potentially going that way as well. Um, yeah, Spain, have, they've netted 12 goals in their final Euro 2020 qualifiers. Um, so they've got a bit of momentum uh, trying to win their third Euro title um, in the last four. Um, none of their last 12 victories at these finals have seen them concede inside of the open in 30 minutes. Um, so, you know, that they keep things tight themselves as well, obviously lending itself even more to, to Neil's angle. Um, and they scored in 10 of their last 13 international games and they've only failed against Ukraine and, and they played Portugal twice as well. So when they come up against teams of quality, we all know, as we saw um, earlier on, Ukraine have got some quality. You know, they're very good going forward, but they're quite resolute at the back. 
Um, and Portugal, we know their quality. So I, I do think teams struggle um, at, at times against Spain. They do concede goals, but I think um, given the fact how they're coming into this and their run of form, I, I think they'll be able to keep things tight against this Sweden side early doors, particularly as they haven't got, obviously, Ibrahimovic, who's obviously the, the, the main man for them. They've, not to say they haven't got you know a good centre-forward, but you can't replace Ibrahimovic uh, that easily. Um, and it's the first time in history, which I, I, I love this, in the fact that this Spain squad's not got a single representative from, from Real Madrid. Um, <laughs> it's a completely new-look side. Sergio Ramos obviously been told he's not in it because he's not featured much this season. It's, it's just baffling. Real Madrid, one of the, if not the biggest team in the country, doesn't have a single player in the Spanish national team. Um, I was fascinated by that. Um, and interestingly, Enrique, you're allowed 26 players. You can take 26 players with you at these tournaments. Um, and he's only opted for 24. So, I mean, there's some reports saying that he's chosen that. It's like, no, I only want players that I know are going to feature and, and take part. If I have two, you know, those extra two, then they might not play. And, and I don't want that around the squad. So, I mean, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. But um, obviously, we've already covered the, the the COVID aspect of this. And, for example, in their last game against uh, Lithuania, their, their final warm-up game, they had to play their under-21s. Um, but, yeah, they've lost just once in their last, last 24 games. Um, and the 2008-2012 winners... Um, they've got a brilliant atmosphere in their camp, according to Enrique. I mean, obviously, whether he's overcompensating remains to be seen. But if, if the players agreeing with him, I, I think Spain is so up for this on home soil in a country as like in a country like Spain in a city as hot as Seville. I think they pull Sweden apart, and in the second half, I think that's when we're going to see the damage um, for me. And kind of looking at it as well, they're going to dominate against Sweden. Let's face it, they are that they're Spain. We all know how they're going to play. We all know what's going to happen going into this one. Um, and Sweden, yeah, they might be in good form, but they do tend to struggle to lay a glove on better opposition. Um, as recent home and away defeats like you know to France, Portugal, um, as well as losses to Denmark and Croatia, and Croatia are a little bit static. So you know, any time they come up against someone with a little bit of quality, they, they struggle. So the bets that I picked out, um, I quite liked Spain on a minus one Asian handicap. So if they win by a single goal, we get our money back. But any more than that, and, and it's a win. That was a one point seven. I quite like that one. But for me, I notice this. I'm going to be slightly going against Neil here because I do see that second half seeing uh, seeing the more goals. But um, I thought over two and a half goals um, at two point zero eight was, was just a little too high in my opinion. Um, it's quite a bit above evens, and yeah, I, I quite like that angle, particularly the heat, the quality that Spain have. I know obviously they've not had the uh, as we sort of said the time together as a team and as a unit to go forward. But you can never deny Spain with the players that they've got. You've got Ferran Torres, who is. He's been okay for City this season, but he's always excellent for, for Spain. He's just got that knack of being in the right place at the right time. And they've got so many players that are going to pull apart that Sweden defence for me. Um, so I think as a value bet, over two and a half goals, you know, they're going. it's odds against for that to happen. Um, and I do see why, obviously, given the way that the tournament is going and the heat and obviously the uh, Spanish build-up to this going in and Sweden being tight and resolute, but... I do think we see goals here. And the beauty is Sweden are capable of scoring themselves. So that would obviously lend itself to it. And yeah, so for the value, over two and a half goals was a, was a good pick for me. So yeah, overall Spain on the minus one handicap, uh, 1.7 and over two and a half goals on plus 108 as well. Awesome. This is uh, I've got the weather up here too. This this could be my finest ever performance as host of a podcast. <laughs> so uh, nine o'clock, Monday the 14th, that's tomorrow. Uh, we've got 28 degrees in Sevilla and 38, 33%, sorry, humidity, some light winds too. So that'll cool things down a little bit for uh, 
for everyone. Um, so yeah, that, that was quite a good uh, little debate there. So we've got we've got George who's going minus one Spain and over two and a half goals. You've got me who's uh, from a punter's perspective. He's he's taken. I'm going to take Sweden. It'll, it'll, it'll make the it'll make the <laughs> that'll make the misses happy too. And um, and Neil, you have gone with you've gone with the unders, I believe. No, no, draw, uh, draw, draw half time, uh, Spain full time. Right. Um, actually, but can I add something to that as well? So, um, yeah, going on from what, what George has said and going on to that bet is um, again with with Spain, they, they, they you know they lost to Russia in, in the World Cup. You have seen in the past where there's been they come up against teams that can just kind of grind out a result. But I think this Spain team is a bit different. They, they they're a bit more direct. Than they used to be, you know, they're more physical with someone like Morata up front, and also I think you know if you're betting these games, you factor in that you can have these substitutions as well, so you can have you know the, the five substitutions. So again, on the bench, you know, they could have again Traore coming on, uh, Moreno as well, you know, uh, Brian Gill. You've got you've got options there um, to, to come on, um, you know, and a few well, in, in midfield. I agree, but obviously I was looking at it earlier and they're expecting Moreno, well, most players are expecting Moreno to get the nod ahead of, of Morata. And that kind of lended itself to my thinking in terms of the way Moreno plays, whereas Morata's more kind of hold up. Yeah, flat yeah, absolutely. yeah, so it was kind of, that was my thinking. I think Moreno, obviously, been phenomenal for Villarreal this season, just absolutely ridiculous form. And I, th I think that back line, I don't, for example, Lindelof against Moreno, no chance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the way it's playing for sure. And I think this 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 Spain team as well. Um, before the COVID issues, I was quite tempted to back them um, because I think they were kind of going under the radar a little bit. I, I want to see how they go, but you know, look, if, if you're feeling confident on them, they're capable of of, of you know pulling off a, a big performance in this group, and then you know their, their odds might come in, and you know you you might find yourself getting a bit of value before the rest of the market kind of clocks on. Um, you know, the question mark is sort of when they come up against you know one of the better sides, you know, Italy, Portugal, France of this world. You know, how are they going to compete in one of those games? Um, but the, the potential was there. What, what I, I read recently that Messi and uh, Suarez, on separate occasions this year, have said Luis Enrique is the best coach they've ever worked with, and that's some statement considering all the managers they've worked with. Um, so, so that that's intriguing to see. You know, if the players kind of buy into what he's doing, you know, he can be a bit marmite. He's kind of has quite strong views, and uh, you know, people fall out of favour. But I think he is someone who, you know, um, if you're kind of loyal to him, he looks after you, and and getting that kind of spirit in the camp. I think you know maybe that could be something to look at further down the line as well. Love it, gents. What a what a great way to start the tournament. I think this has been. Tremendous! I hope all the viewers at home have got something out of this today. And the good news is, is the the fun does not stop there. It, it keeps going throughout the whole tournament. We're going to be on just about every every night after the Euro. So make sure if you're tuning in now to to not miss out on the rest of our previews throughout the tournament. But what way better to finish today's stream, fellas, than give your best bets for tomorrow? So I'll go with you first, George. If you had to go through all the genius stuff you've come up with today, minus that stuff about Spain, what would you give me, mate? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'm going to go with those just north of the border. I'm going to go with Scotland, draw no bet at uh, home at Hampden Park against Czech Republic. Okay, and that was at about 1.839? That nine, was. 
there with me. I think it was nine three. One point nine. Yeah, one point nine three. That was one one point nine three. Awesome. And yourself, Neil. Yeah, Scotland game as well. I just want to go with the cards in that one. Hopefully, it's just a all out Royal Rumble. Yeah, I like that, and I'll take Sweden at eleven. I wait till kick off. You know, they'll they'll go out to fifteens, and you got to take that too. Um, <laughs> Neil, and you wanted to say something, Neil, on the whole. Uh, I mean, crazy incident yesterday. I obviously didn't see yeah. it. I yeah, didn't see it live, so I'm coming from a completely different. For me, it's not been as crazy as you guys watching it live. So, um, yeah, what what did what did you want to say all about that? Yesterday? Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably a good thing that you that that you didn't, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Look, if people are following this, you know, if you were watching the the Denmark Finland game, um, you know, that was it was just a kind of. A horrible thing to see. I've, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Spurs fan, so I've followed Ericsson for a long time, and he's always, he's been one of my favourite players we've had, we've signed. Um, and yeah, I think it just puts everything into perspective, really. Um, kind of the whole world is watching. My, you know, my missus, who has no interest in football whatsoever, um, you know, she she's never watched any of my things. So I've done for trade mate or read any of my articles. It's just boring to her. <laughs> But um, but she, you know even she she couldn't sleep you know she wanted to know what what would happen you know what was happening and um, I I genuinely thought he'd gone and mm. I, I I couldn't concentrate I couldn't do anything I was just literally stunned and it's it's I don't know him personally do I you know he he's he's a he's a footballer he's someone I see on TV I've never met him I I, I don't know what he's his um, he's like personally, but there's something about that yesterday. I think probably touched a lot of people, and uh, just puts things into perspective. You know about what's really important in life, and you know, obviously, we, we're talking through this, and and, and uh, uh, again, you know, we're putting effort and dedication into this. But ultimately, you know, it, it, it's a meaningless sport. You know, there, there are bigger things in in life, and um, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say something really. You know, just just I think with everyone you know watching this Euros just to kind of just have that in mind just kind of reflect um you know on the one of the journey you're in in life I'm not some kind of guru I kind of wanted to just just share something really because I feel like um it wouldn't do justice to not talk about it either you know to kind of to, to yeah. ignore it and um yeah those are my two cents really just um just for everyone to kind of look after yourselves it made me think I need to sort myself out and you know um, cut back on the the Mackie D's and all the crap. Because um, if, if Christian Eriksen, that's why you turned off the camera, mate. Eh? <laughs> yeah. You know this kind of supremely fit athlete at 29. If that can happen to him, it's kind of also a wake up call to a lot of us. I can imagine there's maybe a few listeners as well could improve their health a bit. Um, yeah, you know, better time than any to do that. Also, I think it deserves a huge shout-out is Simon Keir. Uh, oh, man. What a hero yeah. that man is. Play, player of the tournament already. Um, you know, the fact that before before the medics even got there, he'd already secured his neck, began CPR, and then went straight and comforted uh, Ericsson's partner. I, I think in a moment of crisis, you kind of see the true character of people. Um, and it was remarkable to see that Denmark side, despite their emotions of it all, um, all been there for Christian Eriksen. You know, they crowded around him just so that the, the cameras of, of the media couldn't just sort of get an inside scoop, that sort of thing. Went and supported those that needed to support him. And as much as I was against the game being restarted, because I don't feel like they were in the right frame of mind to be able to make that decision, I get it might have been 
Christian could have messaged him and said, no, I'm okay, go and do it and whatever. But still, I just don't feel it was right to uh, carry on that game after. But nevertheless, fair play to them for, for going out there and, and trying to get it done. Um, but yeah, it, it was a horrible, horrible moment to see and it brought horrible memories of a similar thing with uh, Fabrice Mwamba. And yes, yeah, it's, it's not something you'd like to see, but so you question it as well, that the amount of medicals he must have gone through for, throughout his career and something like that, yeah. it, it's, that's, the, that's the scary part for me, that the fact that obviously whatever was wrong, I mean, there's a lot of theories going around of, of latest sort of like, I don't, I'm not going to get into all of that because it's just hearsay, but yeah, it, it's it's very kind of kind of worrying really. But um, the point is, it, it comes back to that old phrase, you know, you never know, could be you tomorrow. You just, so make everything count. Do everything to the best of your ability. Just enjoy it. Don't if some, you're not happy with something, change it. Don't just slog it out. You know, do something. So yeah, I'm a one, so glad that he's okay. Honestly, I was relieved. Similar to Neil, um, you know, before I started doing all this, you know, I worked with uh, a few of my mates. Obviously, I was a trainee firefighter. They were the main ones, but you learn a few things in, in terms of the medical side. And we all thought he'd gone. We all thought that was it. Um, so I'm just so pleased for, that he's going to be okay. That he's going to come back round and. Yeah, it was a scare, but glad he's okay. Yeah, that's such a great point with the medicals, mate. Like, he, he only just moved to Inter, really, wasn't it, in the last 12, 18 mm. months? So, um, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, don't know how thorough the testing is, but that's uh, to think that, you know, these are professional athletes that probably succumb to so many physical tests and to think that maybe they didn't spot anything. I don't know if they were looking for anything, but... Um, yeah, it just shows that it really can happen to anyone at, at any time. But, yeah, beautifully said, gents. Um, so, yeah, we will we'll end it there. A uh, bit of a somber way to end, but it had to be said. And, um, yeah, best wishes to to Ericsson and his family and hope it all, um, yeah, hope it all ends up well and we can see him back on the pitch maybe one day. But I guess that's the the least of their concerns yeah. or anyone's concerns at the moment. Um, you can find these gentlemen on Twitter at C George Gamble. And he's so good that he's got two Twitters at George <laughs> underscore CGG is his other Twitter. So one's dedicated to cards and card spreadsheets and the other, his, uh, his personal picks on all European football and the MLS and obviously going, going great guns with the Copper America. You've got a few, few sweats later today mate with the um with the kickoff kickoff of uh copper america and yep. uh neil copper honestly where place you mate oh mate I, I, obviously neil and i have subscribed to to copper america mm. with premier sports players and mate geez you can type mate and, and you do some serious research like i mean you've written a bloody essay about brazil <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do something you've got to do it properly that's uh that's the way it's got to be done no, highly recommend uh, everyone joining that to joining that channel for the for the Copper America, uh, and you can find Neil at My Better Life on Twitter, and he also has his own blog or website, whatever you want to call it, MyBetterLife.com. Some great content on there. I, had, I took a read the other day. Some uh, excellent blog post there, Neil. Enjoyed that. Oh, good. Yeah, I haven't updated it for a while, so if people are reading it, I might actually have to get my act together, so good to know. <laughs> uh, classic. All right, see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Do a quick rate and review of the podcast. It would be tremendous. Subscribe wherever you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in for the live stream today. 
Uh, and yeah, if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today, especially the value betting ones, start a free week trial of TradeMate Sports. Gentlemen, we'll see you very soon. Take care. Good night, guys. <laughs>